Yes, we're learning to follow Jesus. Amen? I said, I am so fired up. I'm so glad that you're here. As we're just taking a few minutes over here just to, you know, worship and just let God sink into our hearts. I was thinking, Lord, just remove everything that's on this platform, God, that would bring any distraction. We just want you, Lord. We want to see you, Jesus. We want to hear God. We want to sense your spirit. God, more than anything else, we want to hear your voice so we can do, God, what you're calling us to do and become who you've called us to become. God, I don't want anyone here today to leave this place without confronting a huge confrontation with you. And not a negative one, Lord, but just one where your love just lavishes over us, that we're saved by your grace, that you're a merciful God, you're compassionate, you're loving. And God, that moves us to action. We don't want to be a complacent, apathetic group of people. We want to be passionate, loving people who are making a difference in the world of darkness, God. Help, God, your love to be shown today and experienced here, God, by every person that's vacating any kind of spot, whether they're coming in from the parking lot, our children's ministry, our student ministries, God, here in the worship center. We want more than nothing else to encounter your love and your passion in Jesus' name. And everybody said together... Amen. Amen. I tell you what, I want us to be an alive church. I want us to be a church that's alive, ready to go, ready to do, God, what you've called us to do. Amen. So today we're just right in the middle of a series through the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 10. If you want to find that on your app, uh, if you want to find that in your Bible, if you brought a physical Bible with pages, I know we don't see those much anymore. Everything's on the phone, but you can look at Luke chapter 10. We'll get there in a second. There's a few things I just want to speak to from my heart about what's going on in culture and how the church can play a role in that. I'm sure that you've heard after 50 years, Roe versus Wade has been overturned by the Supreme Court justice. And what this means, this is huge. This is about saving lives. This is about innocent lives being saved. This is a huge thing for the church. This is a huge thing for us because you know that there's been people praying over 50 years that there would be change. And for this to be overturned by the Supreme Court justice, this is big time. This, this is huge. And we just give God the victory and the glory. It's all about him. And can I just say our response to this is, of course, we are elated. We are excited because it's about children's lives that are so precious to God that are going to be saved now. I think I recently read there's a million abortions every year performed, which is tragic. But I also want to say on the onset of this that our response is very loving and merciful and kind and very sensitive and compassionate because there are a lot of folks that have um, made that decision to have an abortion and we want to make sure that people understand that they're not condemned of God, that God wants to forgive them and give them new life and breathe new life into them. So I just want to say on the onset, we are excited. We're going to praise God this Tuesday night at prayer night. We're going to have worship and prayer, but I really want you to come. Uh, as soon as I heard this on Friday about Supreme Court justice decision, I said, we've got to praise God. We've got to thank God. So I really want you to come. We do this once a month. We believe prayer is the power source for everything that we do at Mission Vale Christian. So 7 p.m. Tuesday night, really want you to come. We have children's ministry for that entire hour. If you come late, that's okay. It's a kind of a move in and out service. You don't have to come right on time or leave as soon as it's over. We just want you to feel comfortable to come. And can I say this, that sometimes when we mention prayer meetings, all church prayer gatherings, it's not about, you know, professional prayers coming. No one's going to ask you to stand up and pray. If you need something in prayer, if you need something from God, there are people here that will pray for you. I don't know about you, but I just love being in an atmosphere. Even if you just come and you just sit here for an hour and there's people that are praying, things begin to happen. 
Miracles can be performed. Change happens. God can speak to you. God can bring a revelation of something new in your life because you're hanging around all this prayer. And I really want to ask you to come to that. It's a powerful night. I just want to say also thank you to all the folks that served for an entire week. There were 24 people that went down for just one day at Royal Family Kids Camp down in San Diego. This is a ministry that we've adopted about five years ago for children who are in the foster care system who do not have a mom, traditional mom and dad. They do not have love in the home. They're passed around from house to house. A lot of these kids are displaced and abused and just trauma in their life. And we get an entire week just to love them. And I think there was about 52 people that came from different churches to spend an entire week taking vacation time, taking their own time to pour into these little kids for 24-7. And I just want to say thank you. You did an amazing job. I already heard the stories. Kids' lives have been changed. And this is the kind of church, you know, this is what the church is. The church is you, me, together, we're serving and loving people. And with that being said, it, it's always about, at Missionville Christian, people finding Jesus. So right after second hour today, we have, um, I believe, five people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ for the first time, and they're going to be baptized today as adults. I just want to say, this is, this is what it's all about, man. People finding God, people finding the Lord, and we work together in that. That is not one person's job. We are a team. We are a unit. We are a family. And when people come and experience MBCC for the first time, we want them to experience God. And so I just want to say thank you to all that work in ministry, serve here, your presence here, your love. It is changing lives. I also want to say that I am excited and we are just embarking, hopefully in the next week or two, on breaking ground in our new children's department here at Missionville Christian Church. We've been talking about this for a while, and I just want to say on a financial giving thing, thank you so much for your financial gifts to MVCC and your faithful giving, regular giving. If this is your church home, if this is your family, I want to encourage you, you know, giving online is the easiest way to do that. Our entire ministry team does that. Do we do what's called reoccurring giving online? And that's no pressure. I don't want anyone to feel any guilt. I just, it's very freeing to say, God, all of my finances are yours. And so I want to appropriate God the way that you've told me to in the word. And so we give our first fruits back to God. We just do that because we love him. We've been so changed. We just want to honor God with everything we have. I want you to think about this. God lets you keep 90%, right? And so I believe the word of God can be trusted. And when we give God our very best and not our leftovers, he blesses our life. There have been countless stories of people who have a blessing after blessing after blessing when they just say, okay, God, I'm writing the check. I'm going to do it online. We're just going to give our first fruits to you because we believe so strongly in the kingdom work. And I just want to say this entire um, back half of the campus, I'm so excited about this because for years we've had all of our children's department and we thank God we have a preschool here, but they've been uh, taking the preschool area. Now we're moving everything over to this building so we can have a more centralized ease of, 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 of uh, all of our guests to drop off their children here and hopefully to experience God and be taught the word of God. So all of these rooms will be renovated, new flooring, new lights, new TVs, new furniture, games for kids, everything. It's going to be an incredible experience for kids and it's all about them. And so I just want to say, first of all, thank you for giving, and I want to encourage you to continue to give. By the way, I just want to say offline, Pastor Brian's going to get mad at me about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, that was a joke. Man, we are tired this morning. We are sleepy, aren't we? 
I've been praying for someone to give a million dollars to Mission Vale Christian Church. And I don't say that like, you know, just a million, but somebody who has a lot of money and wants to give back. I've been asking the Lord, someone has a million dollars that if they just wrote a check, that's not a big deal for them. And it's all for your glory, God. It's all for the work of your kingdom. We have $2.2 million. We're still paying down on our debt. I want to live, leave a debt-free church for someone someday. No debt. Can you imagine? Debt-free church. That means more ministry, more missionaries, more people. You two equipped for the gospel of Jesus Christ and more people getting saved. And so um, just want to say thank you to that. And uh, even if someone gives $100 and the person that maybe gave 100 bucks, that may be more of a sacrifice than the person that has a million. So it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. I just want you to catch our vision and know if you have any questions, you can ask any of our pastors on staff about this new renovation, which we're excited about. Also, junior high camp, if you weren't here right at the onset of service, we have a youth pastor here, his name is Zach. Zach, would you please stand up, Pastor Zach, just stand up so everyone can see you. Um, he and his team are going to be leading a group of junior high school students Monday, tomorrow, for an entire week of camp. The reason I'm bringing this up is this is so important. If you have a child, or you have a grandchild, or you know of someone that's in that student age, junior high and high school, this is in a week where they give their lives to Jesus Christ. They find God in a powerful way because they get away from all the social media. They get away from all the onset of negative friendships and all that stuff that goes on down here in the valley. They get to go to the mountaintop with God. And I want to ask you to do two things. Would you please, please, you just mark down, make yourself a note in your phone. Would you please pray that students give their lives to Jesus Christ this week? And also that would you just please pray for the leadership God, give them strength. They're going to be up all night with students. Give them strength. When they go to those two worship services every day, they hear two messages. They get life group time. It's not just where they go up and just mess around for an entire week. They get God in a powerful way. And so um, please pray about junior high camp. And then there's also a high school camp coming uh, also in a few weeks. So um, I just before we get into the message... Um, and sometimes, forgive me, I just get so excited about what God is doing in his church. I know I get a little loud and excited and veins pop out of my eyes. I just can't help it. But I just want to say just from my heart here for a moment that everything we do, when God, when God called me to ministry, as long with our other pastors feel like we've been called by God, we don't do this for a job. It's not like we do this for any other reason that we feel called by God to do it. And sometimes it's, it's, it's smooth sailing, and sometimes it's not. And I just want to say that it's always about people finding Jesus. There are empty seats that I'm looking at here. And I don't mean this, I don't say this of any guilt, but these empty seats represent people that need to be here. They need to be here. Because being here means that they get to find Jesus Christ for the first time. Or there might be people that have been disenfranchised by religion or church or maybe they got hurt in the past by some uh, church leader or something and they've given up on the church. You can be a message of hope to somebody that God still works through his church. There are still healthy churches. There are still healthy leadership folks that, that love God in this area. Good churches. We're trying our very best and we want you to be a part of our family. So I just want you to know that what we're talking about today out of Luke chapter 10 is our hearts to just break we should be passionate about God I got somebody in my life right now that needs to be sitting right here on the front row because you sit on the front row you get the full impact of the Holy Spirit when I go visit a church I sit on the front row I can't nothing against sitting in the back but I, I miss something sometimes because I'm a little ADD I get distracted 
And there are people that need the love of God. If you're here for the first time, if you don't hear anything else for the next 22 minutes, it's that God loves you. He loves you right where you are. In the middle of a mess, in the middle of some, some, some past stuff that maybe you've been through or trauma that's happened to you, God is a God of love. He will never stop loving you. He will never leave you. And my hope is that that moves not just from the head but to the heart. I just want you to know that before we get into any instruction of the word, and I want there so much to be absolutes and truth, we will always teach the word of God at Mission Vale Christian Church. And most importantly, we passionately live the word of God. And we're just not going to compromise on, on what Jesus has told us to do. Now, in this context that we're going to read in the, the 10th chapter of Luke, Jesus was giving a high calling to his disciples of following me is not always easy. In fact, one person came up to Jesus and said, I will follow you, Lord, all the days of my life. He said, well, I'm here. The foxes have holes, the birds have nests. But the Son of Man may have no place to lay his head while he's on earth. Meaning we're not going to have the comforts of life. It's not going to be the five-star hotels. You're not going to get the big salary. You're not going to get the big pay. You're not going to get the expensive cars. But following me will be something so much more eternal inside of your heart. But you've got to follow me. There's a cost. And it's not always easy. So there were a lot of people that were following Jesus. At one point, thousands of people were following him because they believed in him. Some people had questions. Some people were curious. Some people were enthralled by the fact that this might be the son of God. And others were just looking for a miracle. For whatever reason, there were a lot of people who were following him. And in this 10th chapter, he calls 70, and manuscripts, 70 or 72 people, and he sends them out, those that have been following Jesus. We know that there were 12 of the apostles, but there were many others that were also gathered in and out of those moments through the gospels, through Jesus' three-year ministry here. And he's going to set apart these men and women to go out and do the work, do the work of the kingdom. And I want us so much to catch a vision that we're learning, as we're learning to follow, we're learning what it means to have a powerful influence in somebody else's life. And so let's read this text together, then we'll break it down, and we just believe that God's going to speak to us. Somebody say amen. amen. Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples, aside from the other 12, and sent them ahead in pairs, two by two, to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Do not take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's house, first say, May God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Hold on to that verse Get, get that one right here and highlight it. Remember, we're going to get back to that. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Verse 10. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go into its streets and say, 
We wipe even the dust of our town from our feet, your town from our feet, and show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. And what sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida, for if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves with burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, Will you be honored in heaven? No. You will go down to the place of the dead. Then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. And when the 72 disciples returned, they were joyfully reported reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. And at that same time, Jesus was filled with joy of the Holy Spirit, and he said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike Yes, Father, it pleased you to do this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then when they were alone, he turned to the disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And somebody said to the reading of God's word, one more, John chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. I want to key on this word, the harvest is plentiful. Jesus says on another occasion, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around the fields are already ripe for harvest. Somebody say harvest. That phrase, four months until harvest, there's a lot in this text that we just read in Luke chapter 10. Basically, Jesus is saying this in a nutshell, and then we'll get into where I really believe the Holy Spirit is leading us this morning. God sent out the 72. I want you to do the work. You've seen me do it. Now I want you to do what I've done. I'll always be with you. The Holy Spirit will be with you. When you go into a town, there are some specific instructions, and we'll get to that in a second. But to the towns that reject Jesus Christ, which were many here, even Capernaum, where Jesus spent three years, kind of in his headquarters they rejected who jesus was and jesus is mincing no words about it he's very truthful jesus is very direct he was not trying to be condemning or unkind or anyone he was just wanting everyone to know who was following look there are going to be some people that are not going to accept the message of jesus christ if they hated me they're going to hate you it's just part of the message it's part of understanding but you must not stop you must stay to the plow you must keep your hand to the plow and keep moving forward because even if it's just one one person who gives their life to Jesus Christ. And by the way, I know you guys are excited as they came back. 
Jesus, you're not going to believe what happened. I can imagine Peter, you're not going to believe like Jesus doesn't see everything. You're not going to believe it, Jesus. But even the demons were subject to us. We were casting out demons. We were talking about the kingdom. We'd sit in people's homes and they would talk about God. They'd talk about you, Lord. Great things were happening. Jesus says, that's awesome. But this is the most important thing. You guys are saved. Your names have already been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That will never change. Ministry changes, flow changes. There's an ebb and flow of God's kingdom on earth, and sometimes it's pressed in, and sometimes it's easy. But something that will never change is your life written in the name's book, Lamb's Book of Life, Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. That's what I want you to get excited about. Now, I just want to talk about this, because that phrase, harvest, we in Mission Viejo, I would venture most of us really don't know what that means. I certainly don't. I'm a city boy. I've been raised here all my life. So my wife and I kind of go back and forth because she was raised on a farm. There's a concept that always needs a context. And in the scripture, if we don't understand the context, we may miss the deeper meaning. Are you with me? An example of that would be this. We all want a growing church. I'm with you, Mike. We got to have growing church. We got to fill these seats. We want every parking stall. We want problems in this church. Parking problems, seat problems, people who don't know how to take communion. People are wondering, am I supposed to be quiet? When can I clap? All those things. People come into church sometimes. We want those problems. But what we don't want is we can't get our parking spot. We don't get our seat, right? An example of this would be, we, were, we are more than conquerors through him, who loved, through him who loved us, right? But we don't want the conflict. We want the conqueror, but we don't want the conflict. Another an example of this would be um, context, and I'm going somewhere with this because I really want us to understand the harvest is plentiful. He's called you and I to be a worker, and there's a lot of joy in that. But an example of that would be, well, we're going to church today. In the, old, in the New Testament days, going to church today, Paul would say, what do you mean going to church? Church is... We, we, we don't have worship centers. We don't have campuses. We, we don't have a 501c3. We're not a non well, What is all that? What do you mean? We are the church, right? So context is so important. We don't, and it's, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to say we're going to church today. I'm just saying we need to remember the context of the word of God and how we live and things that we say. What about this one? Worship. When we say the word worship, we may say, well, I missed the worship, but I got the word. I was a little late to church today, so um, I missed the worship service, but I got the word. Paul would say, what? What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean you missed the worship? Because Romans 12 says my whole life is worship. Worship is not 15 minutes, although I'm not saying that we shouldn't have 15, 20 minutes of worship, of music, but I'm just saying that's not the encompassing context of worship. Worship is how we live our life for Jesus Christ. Worship is our whole life. So these, these phrases that we use, we have to remember there's a context for everything. Now, I got a question about this harvest thing because that's really where I think Jesus was going with this in this text with the 72 disciples. I want you guys to know the opportunities are endless out there. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are so few. What was he saying? So I have a question. Has anyone here grown up on a farm? Has anyone here grown up on a farm? Your, your mom did? Okay. I'm not talking about like growing tomatoes in the backyard. I, I, I mean, does someone really, really grow up on a farm? You grew up on a farm, Jim? Um, tell me about, because I, I tell you what, I, I was coming in le, uh, last night because I was having trouble just 
wrapping, when I study for the sermon every week, I I work on it a little bit every day and I want to get it in my mind, my heart. I just want to mull over it. I want to do the very best I can. I want to give good spiritual food. I came in here late afternoon. One of our pastors, Pastor Robert, was here getting ready for Sunday morning. He says, what are you doing here? I said, I can't get the sermon. I just can't get it in my head. I'm just having trouble with you. Will you please pray for me? Because this harvest thing is driving me crazy. I want to really know what Jesus meant by the harvest. So when I think harvest, if you say the harvest is coming, I'm thinking blessings. I'm thinking sit back and the church is going to be filled. Pastor Brian, we got to have three services, four services, five. And Brian's bringing his team together. We got to figure out how we got to hire more staff. We got to make things happen. People are getting saved. That's what I think. I think of revival, awakening, harvest, people, more people, controlled chaos, right? So what is it about harvest on a farm? Somebody, would you, would you just tell me, Jim, what, is, what does it mean when you hear harvest, what does that mean? Okay, everything he's saying, if you didn't hear that, he's talking about the beans taking the combine out. Everything you just said, one word I'm keying in on is work, right? You work hard at harvest time. So, so, I, I want us to go where Jesus was, was, was teaching here, that the harvest is work. I asked my wife about this. Thanks, Jim, for telling us about this. I'm not giving you the microphone, but I just wanted to repeat what you said. I asked my wife about harvest because she grew up in a little town in Nebraska of 2,000 people. She had about two and a half years there where she lived in Kimball, but her uncle had a farm, and she would hear the stories of her grandmother about what it meant to live and work on a farm. They would wake up before dawn. They would go out to the harvest field, and they would work. The tractors would go out. It, it, was, it was a long day. They would, uh, the wives would prepare the breakfast at, at, at 3.30 in the morning, the guys would go out, and some of the women would come in, eat their food, they would go out, they would then make lunch, come back, and then they would go out again for the entire day until dark, man, they were working, harvesting. Here's the thing about harvest that I didn't realize. It's about timing. You ever seen pictures or commercials or farmers, maybe you grew up in the Midwest towns or something, and you got all these guys with overalls on and maybe men and women who are farming, and they, they sit around and, and they have coffee, and it seems like they're doing nothing right? That's what I thought when I went to Nebraska for the first, what do these guys do, talk all day? They're talking about harvest time. Jesus says, you have a saying, four months until harvest. Everybody's getting ready. The farming communities, they know we are getting ready for the harvest. What are they talking about? My wife told me they're talking about the weather. They're, They're talking about finances. They're talking about not missing the moment. This, this is huge, because I think this is where Jesus was going in the context of this day, which he wants us to get for this day. The harvest is the hardest time. You got to wake up early, you go to bed late, you're weary, you don't have any energy left, but the blessing that comes after the work is absolutely priceless. There's no drive-through Christianity. There's no easy street. And I don't, make, I don't mean to make it sound like it's like work, work, work. And being a Christian is hard, hard, hard. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. I'll give you an example. When you download a message, when you're driving to work and you download a podcast, a message from your favorite pastor, and you're just listening to that person, and it's not me, and you listen to someone that really gives you something that you just need on your way to work, there was a lot of work that goes into that message. You just hit the button, and it just comes down, right? I think sometimes we're like that with God. 
God, you do all the work. I'll just hit the button and let it happen. He partners with us. We are his partners in the harvest field. Thousands of people. And I ask myself, there are only 72? There are only 72 who are willing to go two by two. And the instructions were very, very explicit. Do not take a purse, bag, sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. Sounds kind of harsh. What Jesus is saying, in the Jewish culture, if they were to stop and greet somebody on the road, they would spend hours, maybe even a day or a night in that person's home. He says, I need you to stay focused. I need you to stay focused on the work. It wasn't that they were not being loving or caring to people. When you go into a home, this is also very cultural to the context. Peace be on this house. That would be a normal thing. When you said that to someone sincerely, you became family with them. Eat, drink, whatever they give you, that tells them that you're open to their viewpoints. We're becoming family when we have a meal with you. Do not move from house to house. I want you to build relationship with the short time you have. Don't just jump around from person to person. Heal the sick. This is what we're supposed to do. Tell them the kingdom of God is near. God sent them out ahead of time because Jesus already had a plan. He was going into all those towns. And so he had these guys as a precursor to the living, breathing God that would be standing before them. That salvation has come to the earth now. Now we're looking at this backwards. Jesus is looking at it forward. The context for us is Jesus already came. He already died for your sins. You've, if you're here and you've received Christ into your life, we are to go heal the sick and we are to tell them God can be your strength. You can be saved. You, you, one day we're all going to leave this earth. It's true. One out of one will die. We're all going to leave this place. Lord Jesus, I hope it's today. Anybody else here ready to go home? Out of this cesspool, out of all this evil, out of all this, man, I would love for Jesus to come back. We just, woo! We are just with Jesus forever. But until that time, we want to grab as many people as we can because there are open seats here that represent lives, lives that are hurting. And when they came back, you're not going to believe the work, Jesus, that, that we did. Don't forget, guys, you are part of my kingdom, and that will never change. If there's anyone here that's doubting, well, you know what, Mike, you don't know, I left the Lord like 10 years ago, and I've cussed out his name, and I told him I didn't believe in him anymore, and I've just lived a reckless life. In fact, I lived my life in such a way that was so contrary to the way I used to live, so unholy. I don't even know if God loves me anymore. Will he accept me? Yes. There's not one, only one place in scripture the only unforgivable sin, and that's a total rejection of God. When he said blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, in the context of that, he's saying you're rejecting God in a totality of your life and your words, and you're never coming back. Unless anybody's ever done that, you don't have to worry. So there's nothing that you and I can do that can ever stop God from forgiving and loving us, and that's what he wanted us to know. We were sitting out here Saturday morning at our men's life group, and just at the end of study, we have from 8 to 9, by the way, all men are welcome to come. We just go straight through the New Testament. There's about 30 guys who meet, and we just get into the meat of the Scripture. But one of the things that happens is guys start talking and sharing about the Scripture and what God's doing. Well, we were done right at 9, and somebody said something about RFK, Royal Family Kids Camp, because we had a group of guys that went. And all of a sudden, tears started coming. These guys started sharing stories. I said, guys, we got to go. No, we're going to continue to talk about what God did. That's the kind of excitement I want us to have. That's what really matters in life, working for the kingdom. And of course, 
31 people in the last four months have given their lives to Jesus Christ here at Missionville Christian Church have been baptized. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Is he calling you? Probably a better way to say that, is he sending you? And are we listening? Are we sleeping? God said, look, it's not about your salary. It's not about chasing the corporate business ladder. It's not about how many homes you have. Nothing wrong with having those things, but those things don't make us happy. That's not what makes us fulfilled. Otherwise, the entire Orange County area would be full of happy, joyful people. And of course, we know that's not the truth. Only Jesus Christ can bring fulfillment. And when we really find fulfillment is we get involved in the work. When we get involved in the harvest. So what are we to do? Heal the sick. If God's given you a prayer life that's been able to pray over somebody and they get healed physically, go for it. Use that. There are a lot of things that people are struggling with that are not physical, that are mental, that are emotional. And you can be a salve. You can be a healing just by listening ear, offering a prayer, letting somebody know that you care about them, taking time to step into their life. Jesus is saying, I want you to be a healing salve for people that are that are sick. And that means we step into somebody else's pain. We, but I don't like that person. I don't like my next door neighbor. I don't like the across the street people. I don't like the guy that I work with. And I certainly don't like my boss. I have three biblical words for that. Get over it. <laughs> Get over it. If God forgave me and loved me and still loves me in my pity parties for God and how I sometimes go astray and sometimes I get my life into the wrong place and he still loves me, then he still loves that person and it's worth my time to get involved in somebody else's life because it's about the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection that saves people. Tell them the kingdom of God is near. Tell them God loves them. One of the things that we have here on our staff, we have Tuesday morning prayer meeting. All of our pastors, we get together and we pray. We pray for you. We pray for a revival. We pray for an awakening to happen. We pray for ministry, all those things. But one of the things that we've been asking God to do is, and these things have happened, but we love to see them on a wide scale, is you bring somebody here to MVCC on a Sunday morning. You know what, Mike? I just want to introduce you to Sally. Oh, Sally, it's good to meet you. Tell me your story. And you tell me, well, Sally just accepted Jesus Christ at Starbucks. Because I've been in her life, and on a napkin, she was pouring out her tears. And on the napkin, I just told her that Jesus loves her. I drew a cross, how we can cross over to the, through the cross and find God. And Jesus already paid the price for all of our sins. And she wanted to receive Jesus right there. We held hands in Starbucks, and we received Christ right there. And she's here because she's saved, and she wants to be a part of the church family now. Wouldn't that be great? That's the work we're talking about. We're not just talking about making the world a better place. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the kingdom of God, which sometimes makes the world a better place, but it's all focused on Jesus Christ and his love. You are saved because of the gospel. Someone is waiting on you. I'm so glad that my sister didn't wait. When she got saved, she invited me. She invited me. She invited me. She kept inviting me. She never let up. She lived her life. I saw a difference. I was so prideful I wouldn't admit it. And then she shared her story with me. Here's my question. Where's the harvest for you? Where is the harvest? I thought we could get this morning a little help from Paul Harvey, who I thought did an amazing job of bringing us into a context 
of the farmer and the harvest. Let's watch the screens and then we'll get back to the text. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die and dry his eyes and say, maybe next year. I need somebody who can shape an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay, wire feed sacks and shoe scraps, who planting time and harvest season will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then pain in from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. It had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners. Somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake, and disc, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk. Somebody who'd bale a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing. Who would laugh, and then sigh, and then reply with smiling eyes when his son says that he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. How many of you thank God for the farmers in our great land, right? You know what I see in that? I see men and women who are working the harvest. And there's joy in that. And I see you sitting here with me. I almost wish we could you know, build a, a, a worship center that you know, I'm at the lowest place and you're at the higher place. It reminds me to be humble. But we work together for one reason, for God's kingdom. The four things I want us to see here, if you're taking some notes inside of the seat back in front of you, that Jesus spoke to very specifically here. Number one is there's potential. The harvest is plentiful. Don't don't fall into the trap of thinking this person will never come to Christ. They're so far from God. They're atheists. They'll never budge. They just keep sinning. There's nothing that will ever move them. As long as someone is breathing, there's a potential for that person to come to Christ. I believe that. Second is this, problems. The problem is not just out there, but some of the problem is in here because we're so conditioned in our context to sitting that we miss getting up off the chair and working, not working harder at the job, but working for the kingdom of God. That God has placed you in your workplace to be an influence in somebody else's life for Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean we don't work hard at the job. It means we work that much harder because we want our influence to be an impression on someone else's life for the gospel. Jesus said to ask the Lord of the harvest, didn't he? So that means we ask for souls. I want you to write down people that are important to you in your life. I want you to write those names down. I want you to put them in your Bible. I want you to be on the brain. I want you to be praying, God, I want, I want so much for so-and-so to find Jesus Christ before the end of the year, God, because time is short and the harvest time, there are so many opportunities. And number four is he asks us to participate. I can think of nothing greater than participating in what God 
has already ordained for you and I to do. And when we're in the flow of the Holy Spirit, it's not self-effort. It's not trying to make it happen. It's not making something happen. It's working in the flow of what God is already doing. So what are some action points we can walk away with? Remember we read that John chapter 4 passage, 34 and 35? That context was the woman at the well. She had been there in the middle of the day. Nobody else was around. She had a reputation. Jesus sits down, tells the disciples to go into town, get some Chick-fil-A because we're hungry. Just Jesus and the woman right at the well. Remember that? And as Jesus asked her questions, can I have some of that water? I could give you water that you'll never be thirsty ever again. She's thinking physical water. Jesus was talking about eternal fulfillment in her life. And I just want you to see the context of this powerful moment because this is the harvest that Jesus was bringing about in her life. But Jesus wasn't just thinking about her. He was thinking about the town that she came from. So we asked her a question. Jesus knows all. Why does Jesus ask questions? Jesus asks questions because he's revealing something to us. Why don't you go get your husband so maybe we can talk to your husband about this living water. Uh, I can't get my husband because I've had five husbands. Jesus says, I know. In fact, the guy you have now, the guy you're shacking up with, let's just call it what it is. I know he's not your husband. He does not condemn her. This is what sets apart Jesus from any other religious leader. He forgives her. He gives her new life. And it says in that section of chapter four of John, she goes back to the town and she tells everyone, the God who knew everything in her life and people listened and people believed. So what do we do? How do we step into this work that God is calling us, this harvest? Number one is this, ask the Lord to send you. Say, God, send me where you want me to go today. Where do you want me to be this week, God? It might be at the bank. It might be even just standing in the grocery line with all these high prices or standing forever pumping your gas, watching the number go up. Are we going to get to $8 by the end of the summer? I hope not. But instead of complaining about that, Lord, who's around me that God maybe needs the good news of Jesus Christ? She was seeking at the well. Ask the Lord to use you. Ask the Lord to do something. Spur on something in your life. You know what I found that Sometimes God's looking for the biggest bucket to fill. He's not looking for the person with all the talent. Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing here. He's looking for the person that has the most open bucket in their life. So, number two is to be very intentional. Very intentional. This does not mean that we choose or we treat people like projects. That's not what I'm believing God wants us to learn today. He's saying, I want you to be so intentional about souls. I I told my wife years ago when she first met me, I'm sorry, but I have this curse. Whenever I look at somebody, when I first meet them, my mind goes to this, lost or saved, lost or saved, lost or saved, lost or saved. It's just ingrained in me because Jesus found me and he changed my whole life. I want everybody to experience it. Now, I don't want to treat people like a project, but I just want to know, where's your soul, brother? Are you ready to meet the Lord? And we, we, don't, don't, we, don't, we don't harangue anybody into the kingdom. I just want to know, where's your soul? Are you ready to meet God? Because that's the most important thing. So I want you to be very intentional. Jesus was intentional. Go into this town. Do these instructions. Did you notice how intentional he is? We ought to be the same way. So that means where there's a problem, I'm willing to go. And number three, building a relationship. That's why Jesus says, don't jump from house to house, eat the food that's there, get to know people. 
People want someone they can trust to show them who God is. They don't want someone knocking on their door. Hi, my name is Pastor Mike. I'd love for you to visit Missionville Christian Church. Where are you? We're behind the donut shop. We're behind the psychic now. You'll know where we are. They're going to go, they're going to either slam the door or go, I'm not interested. But if you live next door to somebody or you know somebody that you've been working with, you built a friendship, you build trust. Hey, I'd love for you to come visit our church sometime or gosh, I know you got this issue you're dealing with. Can I just help you with how maybe God can help you? If you ever need someone to talk to, I just want you to know I'll be a listening ear for you. I may not have all the answers, but I certainly want to be here for you. You see how we build relationship that goes beyond the surface level stuff. All right, number four is this, to pray about opportunity. We kind of talked about this already. When there's a problem in somebody's life, that's an opportunity. When someone's going through an issue, that's an opportunity for us to step in to someone's problem and ask God to give you the words. He said in the book of Acts, don't worry about what you say, I'll give you the words. And number five is this, when it's time, harvest time, don't be afraid to share your story. We try to stay uh, pretty current on what's going on in the Christian world today. And one of the saddest things to me is over 80% of Christians have never brought anyone to faith in Jesus Christ. And I don't mean that to bring guilt. I'm just saying that's just the raw facts. And I think one of the reasons is we're afraid of being rejected, right? Or we're afraid that may ask us a question. We don't have the answer. Or we may be afraid of that relationship going south. We may be afraid of losing a job. Isn't God bigger than all that? Let's just say the worst happens. God is big enough to handle anything. Share your story. You don't have to remember verses and Bible and all that. Just remember when you gave your life to Jesus Christ and helping somebody see the kingdom is the most important thing. So last question and then we're done is this. So where do you want to live? Where do you want to live? Do you want to live just coming and getting a meal? Or do you want to live on mission? Father, I thank you for making the word so clear to the people of your day, God, that all 72 of them came back and were so excited about what happened. And I thank you, God, that you brought them back into focus of what really was important. And God, I pray you would do the very same thing here, God. Clarity, God. Bring us clarity so that we can respond with a heart of compassion and love to people that are just lost, God. My prayer, God, even in this moment, is if there's anyone here today, God, that maybe just feels lost or maybe just fallen away from you, Lord, that Jesus, within a moment's notice, just a prayer away, God, I know you can bring someone back. God, I pray for MVCC, that Jesus would be the kind of church, kind of people, influencers, God, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So the remainder part of the service is just kind of a, a quiet moment that we just want to give you, be- just between you and the Lord. Um, inside the seat back in front of you, there's a small cup with some juice, and then there's a small wafer there. And if you're in the front row, someone will come and serve you. But I just want to encourage you to take this time during the worship to remember. As Jesus said, I want you guys... At the Last Supper, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I really want you to remember Jesus at that moment you met him. When did you meet him? When did the tears flow? When did you recognize, God, I've blown it. I need you to forgive me, please, God. 
And I want you to think about that moment and the cross and all he did for you, the work. And then I just want you to take a moment and think about people in your life that are just lost, trying to figure out life. And God, how can we be there at the harvest? Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.